0: Go ahead and get your notes open and we're going to move forward with uh, the next piece in the series. We've simply called it whatever and it's not the smart aleck whatever. You know the one I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, and uh, that one. And so it's not that one. It's the big awesome just that it just creates this beautiful wide concept of whatever. That means it's just that. That all, it, it includes a ton of stuff. And we're looking at what we need to be doing with our thoughts. And most people think that Christians and following God and being passionate with Him would be about this narrow, tiny little thought life. That thoughts that God approves, that they're like this really short list. And it's not that. It's not this little short list of thoughts. God gave us a brain that operates all the waking hours. He gave us a subconscious that operates and we dream and he even will speak to us through our dreams. He wants our brains to function and he didn't give us something that it's hard to turn off so that, and, and to have to narrow it down to something tiny. No, it runs, it runs full bore and our brains are powerful because God has incredible things in store for us and we need to broaden what we think God has for us. So we're going to look at some whatevers. Get your notes open says our lives are built they are constructed we're constructing them every day with the choices that we make and how we think and what we think about guide our decision processes we really hammered this concept last week and if you missed it you can get it on online but we really hammered this concept of purposeful thinking And we're going to be looking at, during this nine-week series, we're going to be looking at this scripture and jumping off from it. We're just going to keep going in all these different directions. And we're going to launch from here. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, everybody's included, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things this is where paul is telling believers to direct our thoughts and he's not saying hone them in on something a little tiny narrow here i want to give you your little christian meditation list and this little little, little bit narrow thing he goes no he says whatever is true whatever is noble whatever and fits in all of these different things and our minds should go on a place that that only god can take us in this place of this huge whatever concept, we honestly, we need to broaden our view of the whatever. It's a lot bigger than we think it is. And the truth is, is that a, is a really narrow focus can be dangerous. There are times that, that honing in and being purposeful, we need to be doing that with our lives. But so many times we can put the blinders on and all of a sudden it becomes really, really dangerous and we have this little z- zero place of focus and all of a sudden we, we forget everything else that's around us. That's a lot bigger, whatever, with these other things that matter. I took Keenan years ago on his first bird hunt. So he was so excited, had a little single shot, 4'10", we're going to go shoot some dove. And so it's his first time out. And you do all the safety and all of the training and all that kind of stuff. And, and we find a nice place by some, some maize and some water. And the birds are flying. And they have him with his little gun. And I, he's right here. And he's got his place. And they're like, okay, you're between these two bushes. Do not bring your gun past this bush or this bush. And you just sit there. And so I'll watch him. And he's doing a really good job. So then I've got my shotgun and I'm taking this side. Well, sure enough, after a little bit, bird comes through and all of a sudden Kenan's world becomes about this big this little focus he forgets about everything else around him including me and he swings that little 410 shotgun and when it gets about right here he's behind me gets about right here boom oh my gosh it still creeps me out to this day and, man, he sits there, and he I don't know if he hits the bird or not. And so, because I am just immediately, all that adrenaline hits. And thankfully, I look at him, and he's holding the gun. So, you know, okay, I, I better be good. And um, and so, uh, anyways, but that it became incredibly dangerous. It became incredibly dangerous. We have this ability to just narrow this little thing in. And God, when he tells us to think, think about whatever is true. The Bible talks about our imagination. The Bible talks about our thought life. In fact, where the thing that we're supposed to be dealing with, it says when coming against, against strongholds, and that it talks about our, these vain imaginations. It talks about thoughts. It talks about anything that comes against the knowledge of Christ. Man, I tell you what, over and over again, I'm going to tell you this, just religion, and I don't care if you try to put Jesus on it. If it becomes religious... It's going to squeeze, and it's going to narrow, and it's going to try to to make something tiny and uniform. But look at the diversity God created. Look at what he did in creation and you and I. You know what? We're united in the same, being a part of the same family. But we are in beautifully different, and God's wired us to be different. And it is a good and beautiful thing. See, the Holy Spirit is here to help us to recognize the truth, so that we can think on things that are true he's here to help us recognize it because a lot of times you and i don't recognize the truth when we see it we can be duped we can believe a lie we can get into unhealthy thinking and the truth will actually help us to operate and the truth is a lot of times bigger than we think it is now i'm just going to give you a little example of in my life that i had to embrace some multiple layers of truth so that i could fully enjoy this part of my life okay i enjoy music and i enjoy singing but i am the only one that enjoys my singing and so actually it's not true we'll get to that piece in a minute but the truth is is that i enjoy it and there is this place That I would so love if I could put a microphone inside my head. And if you could hear the incredible vocals that I am performing. I'm telling you, there would just be ovations. There there would be recording contracts offered to me. I'm telling you, it sounds so good right here. But then I look over and there are people doing this. And people taking sidesteps. And getting away from it. Do you think that Nat simply has this ginormous speaker aimed directly at his face? Just for him? No, I stand right there. And I sing at the top of my lungs. He just keeps looking at the sound man going, I could still hear Clark. Come on now. He's making me off key. And so, but it sounds so good. And so I enjoy it. I enjoy it. But then that next truth is other people don't enjoy it. And I have to, had to come to grips with it. That, you know what, I, I'm kind of tone deaf. I'll sing in the wrong key. It doesn't matter what a key of song's in. I'm not going to sing it anyways. <laughs> don't matter to me. I'm just going to sing. And so, so at that piece, then I have to factor in that. That if somebody says, who wants to sing a special, I don't volunteer for that. Because it won't be special. And so, so I, I factor that in. I set up front because I want to let it rip. I'm going to sing full out, but I don't want to harm anyone else. So these up these people have speakers and they can drown me out. This is a great spot for me. Okay, and so it sits there. But then I so <coughs> initially then that first truth would if I just embraced I sound good in my head, then I would just get all in people's business and I'd be making them have an unpleasant experience. But when I embrace the second truth, then I don't I don't make people deal with that. I understand you don't people don't like the sound of my singing. So I understand that. But then I understand an even bigger truth. So there's the fact that I'm cool with it. Uh, you know? Other people aren't. But God is. God loves it. He's able to see something other people don't see. He's able to enjoy it. And my place of worship is something he desires. And for me to, do, to not embrace that part of it and that truth, that somehow God's ears tune different than everybody else's ear. And that when he listens to me, he likes it. And he appreciates it. And so you know what? Then that means that I can get in the presence of my God and I can just let it rip. And I don't have to be self-conscious. And if I crack and squeak and moth off-key... It's just cool. It's like somebody's going or something like that. It's just cool. God likes it, and so these things we have to embrace these different places. And when we begin to see the truth and let our thinking be expanded, we can really step in to some places that maybe we would withhold ourselves from. See, John sixteen twelve says, "I have much more to say to you." This is Jesus talking to his disciples not the casual listener not the guy that just showed up for some free bread or to watch a miracle these are his guys that are his closest buddies his number one disciples and he says i have much more to say to you more than you can now bear there are some stuff that god wants to say that sometimes it can be hard for us to to hear Sometimes in our natural because we hear it from our frailty and we hear it from our insecurity and we don't hear always the love that he has for us. And sometimes it can be hard for it to bear. So you know what? Then he waited. He said, but when he, the spirit of truth, I love it that he doesn't just refer to him as the Holy Spirit. It says the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit. That he's going to speak the truth to you. But in a way that we can bear it. Then we can take it because He loves us. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Not just this narrow little idea of truth, but into all the truth that God has. You know what? When I embrace the fact that all truth is God's truth, I quit having to be defensive about stuff. If it's true, it's, it's from God. If it's not true, it's not. All truth is God's truth, and He'll guide us into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. We need the Holy Spirit because Romans 8, 5 is in full effect. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. If you have your mind set on what your own carnal desires and what the, what the flesh desires you're going to view things from that perspective. So we have to have our mindset on what the Spirit desires so that we can get things down. I shared this with our kids at kids' camp. And we see this perfectly lived out in the life of Peter. Okay, Peter was one of the first disciples called, drops his fishing nets, leave, leaves the family business, all his livelihood, follows Jesus. Okay, Peter is there on all the cool stuff. Okay? Peter's there when the, when the 5,000 and the 4,000 are fed, okay? Peter is there when Lazarus comes out of a tomb, a guy been dead four days. And Jesus calls him out of the tomb, and he's still wrapped in his stuff, and he does a little bunny hop out of the tomb, and they have to go and unwrap the guy. He sees that happen. He sees it when some guy's friends peel off the roof, let a guy down in who's all paralyzed, and Jesus heals him, and the guy walks out of that house. He's there when Jesus is transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration and takes a glorified body. And there's Moses and Elijah, and Peter is so moved. He says, we're just going to build three temples right now, one to each of you. Jesus has to shut him up and say, no, that's not what this moment was about. Peter is there for all of the stuff. All of every sermon Jesus preaches, Peter hears it with his own ears, every miracle sees Jesus bring life and healing and all these different things. Peter is one of the three invited in Jesus' last evening to go into the Garden of Gethsemane and pray. Everybody else is a little far away. He's got three guys with an earshot. Of course, Peter keeps falling asleep, but he's there. He's one of the ones that hears Jesus say, Not my will, but yours be done. He can hear Jesus over there praying by himself. He hears it all. He hears that, Father, I'm going to go the distance and I'm going to do what you want to do. And Peter's right there when Judas walks up, gives him the kiss, and they come to arrest him. Now, wait a minute, let's take this in for a moment. Peter heard every message Jesus preached, saw every miracle with his own eyes. If hearing Jesus' teaching and seeing miracles, was enough to do life transformation. Don't you think this guy who was with Jesus 24-7 for three years would be completely different at this moment right there when everything comes together? You'd think he would be radically different. A group of soldiers come up, and you know what Peter does? Jesus lets Judas get so close and lets him kiss him. Jesus doesn't punch him. Jesus doesn't bow up. Peter sees the kiss. Peter doesn't get it. And Peter reaches in and he grabs his sword. He grabs his sword. He's watched Jesus heal. He's watched Jesus provide. Jesus has told them repeatedly, I'm going to the cross. He heard him just a little bit ago talk to the Father and say, God, I'm doing it. What Your will be done. And guess what? When it comes down to it, Peter's no. Different than he's ever been. He pulls out his sword and he chops off Malchus's ear. Okay, let's think about this for a second. First off, that's a headshot. Okay, that's a headshot. Okay, and that ear's not easy to move, remove. Okay, it's kind of awkward spot to try to cut it off. So, one of two things is Peter's motion. Okay. Either way, he's going for the head. More than likely, the easiest way to do this is he's doing the easy swing across like this. He flinches and ducks. Off comes the ear. He was going for the gladiator beheadle. Right in the presence of Jesus. Jesus is right there. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane prayer place. And he tries to lop a man's head off. It's that, or he does a much more awkward swing, and he comes over and he's just gonna open the guy's head clean open, and the guy di- and he takes an ear off. That's the only two ways you're taking an ear off. Either way, it's a kill shot. It's a this isn't a warning shot. Watch out, buddy. I'm gonna slash your ear off. He's not a ninja. Take that, I won't miss next time, buddy. That's not what he was doing. He's a fisherman with a sword. And he tries to kill a man. Right there. If just seeing the miracles, if just hearing the teaching, if just all of that was enough, Peter would not have responded like that. Today, folks... It's the day of Pentecost. We celebrate it. Jesus rises from the grave, talks to his disciples, and showed himself for a 40-day period. He's about to leave, and he tells all his disciples, they're the only ones that know what happened, what really happened, that he died for all humanity. They have the gospel, and it's their assignment to carry it. And he gives them one thing to do. Do nothing until the Holy Spirit comes. Don't do a thing seriously we're on go we have we have the word we know what you did you you came you died for all of humanity guess what in a two-week period life is going on people need to hear the truth and we're supposed to sit around and do nothing until the holy spirit comes yes because we can't do diddly without the holy spirit folks Peter, whenever he, the Holy Spirit descends there in Acts chapter 2, 120 of them are gathered, comes down. Then the little flame of fire is over their head. They're all speaking in other languages they didn't even know. They're speaking in tongues. They end up, they're hiding in an upper room. They end up finding themselves outside in the city streets when they knew that everybody hated them and they could easily be arrested. And they're glorifying God. And Peter, that same guy that denies Jesus, denies Jesus and cusses. I don't know that blankety-blank Jesus is standing out in the road, preaching in open air who Jesus is. He ain't lopping off heads. He ain't cussing. He's boldly proclaiming who Jesus is. What made the difference? Why did three years of watching miracles and hearing Jesus teach us personally did nothing and all of a sudden... It all comes together, and he's out here doing this bold act. Because the Holy Spirit had come within him, and it was not him anymore. It wasn't his strength anymore. He had been renewed from the inside, and it was the whole work of God on the inside of him. Folks, we have to have this, the spirit of truth. We have to have the spirit of truth. Jesus tries to present the spirit of truth. He tries to present truth itself. Pilate is asking him. Pilate went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did somebody else talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. Big major truth that Peter missed. If it were, my servants would fight, just like Peter wanted to do, to prevent my arrest. But the Jewish leader, uh, by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. So you're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? This Roman leader asked the big existential question of all time. What is truth? Can we really nail this down? It seems kind of slippery. One person says this. Another person says that. It seems kind of slippery. And you know what? To the human intellect, it is. It is kind of slippery, and that's why we need the Holy Spirit. With this, he went out again to the Jews and gathered and said, I find no basis for charge against him. See, thinking on what is, what is true sets us up to live lives that are truly free. I think the relativistic thoughts of our day, just like Pilate had it in his day, what is truth, I think that honestly they stem from our good desire to be truly who god called us to be and we're so afraid that someone else's truth is going to put us in a box that doesn't belong to us that then we begin to say you know what you have your truth and i'll have my truth and then all of a sudden we throw it out and says there is no real truth and you know what sadly religious leaders and whatnot have tried to narrow cast what it means to be a real to be a true believer And try to narrow it too much and not allow us to be true individuals. And that's wrong and that's what we bow up against. Because the truth is bigger than we think it is. But there is still hard and fast truth. It's not this truth over here this truth over here. The truth is who Jesus is. Jesus is the truth. See in John 8 it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 17 says, For the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. They're not counter against each other. It's not, oh, there's the truth over here, but then we need grace over here to counteract this harshness of the truth. No, they work together. They work together. And the beautiful thing is grace is truth. It's the truth that we're under the auspices and in the, in the, in the rule of grace as believers. John four twenty three says, Yet a time is coming and now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. To truly be free. Be who God has called us to be. We have to embrace God's truth on our life. And Jesus is simply that truth with flesh on. I know it became trite for so long. The old WWJD, what would Jesus do? But you know what? It doesn't negate it. It's so true. We want to look to the truth. Let's look to Jesus. We want to see what is true. He lived out the truth. He lived it out. And even though Peter saw it, Over and over and over again, it requires the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. See, everything that he did was truth in action. John 14, 6 says, And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Our youth not too long ago went through a series that says Jesus is blank. And you know what? Jesus is everything for us. As we go through, everything we need is provided for us through Jesus Christ everything that got messed up and was missing or incomplete is fulfilled in Christ I've got a little video that rolls through this and I just want you to really take this in on the fullness of what we have in Jesus he's not simply our savior that we say yes to at one point in time and move on we don't move past Jesus we move deeper into Jesus let's roll it
1: The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative in which every story, every character points beyond itself to one who is greater. The story of Adam and Eve is not just about the first man and woman. There is a true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is ascribed to us. There is a true and better Abel who, though innocently slain, has blood that cries out not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. There is a true and better Abraham who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar and go out into the void to create a new people of God. There is a true and better Isaac the son of laughter of grace who was not just offered up by his father on the mount but was truly sacrificed for us all there is a true and better jacob who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserve so we like jacob only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and discipline us there is a true and better joseph Who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his new power to save them there is a true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and who mediates a new covenant there is a true and better rock of Moses who struck with the rod of God's justice now gives us water in the desert there is a true and better job the truly innocent sufferer who then intercedes for and saves his foolish friends. There is a true and better David whose victory becomes his people's victory though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. There is a true and better Esther who didn't just risk losing an earthly palace but lost the ultimate heavenly one who didn't just risk his life but gave his life to save his people. There is a true and better Jonah who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. There is a true and better Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain so the angel of death will pass over us. He's the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, and the true bread. The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative that points to one person, Jesus.
0: Absolutely, Jesus is the true and better. In John 1, 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Somebody's going to handle that. Got to love being in a movie theater. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9-10 says, For they themselves report what kind of reception they gave us. They tell how those who turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That is God's nature To wait for the Son from heaven who was raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. And see, as we begin to shift our thoughts, this true God has a truly good plan for your life. And as we step in and allow Him to expand our thoughts and to think on things that are true, then this becomes part of, of who we and how we see ourselves Jeremiah 29:11 says for I know the thoughts that I think toward you don't you think the thoughts of the one true God are going to be true thoughts bigger and grander than we have for ourselves the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope today if you if your thoughts about your future are not full of hope They're not true. It's not. It's not. You can allow the Holy Spirit to come in. Now, you may be truly facing challenges, but there is a true victory on the other side of it. We have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to redirect our thoughts and let us think in a new way, a broader and bigger way. See, we must choose to make the truth that God has given in His Word to be the foundation for how and what we think. God is so good. God is so good. And I dare us to all invite God into our thought lives. You're like, Brandon, that's a scary place. I, don't, I haven't let any one single person into my thought life. Most don't. But God is already aware. So let's just go ahead and invite him to have influence there. Invite him there. He already loves you. He already knows. So let's just invite him to have direction and release us to really look and think on whatever is true. I want to invite everybody to just kind of create a quiet moment.